Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow into the $1.3 trillion business of sports with key industry leaders, especially in the NFL. Interviews we call the executive suite, three team presidents and person from the NFL office, all talking about major issues surrounding the comeback. But first, deal-making issues of the week, three to one. Three. MMA sees a new league spread out this week with the World Fight League coming to fruition. The group is made up of several former current professional athletes from the world of the NFL, NBA, and MMA, including multiple MMA champions, five former respected MMA promoters, former MMA executives and matchmakers, actors and recording artists. The WFL has been in the works since 2020. The nonprofit was established May 3, 2021. North America first, the framework in place for a true world league. Franchise owners, four in the USA, two in Canada, and claim they have multiple proposals and applications being submitted from other teams and other owners. Conference will launch when there are eight respective approved team owners, but it seems to be pretty soon. Two. Number two, Apple unveiled a lengthy list of new products last week, including a number of its latest offerings focused on health and fitness. Technology giant Expanding Fitness Plus, currently priced at $9.99 per month, to more closely compete in at-home fitness sector to reach about 11.5 billion people by 2027. Later this fall, the company releases a group workout feature where members can work out with up to 32 people and share real-time fitness data with friends. The expectation is to reach $4.2 billion in revenue by 2027. Peloton, Lululemon, Exponential fitness shares dropped shortly after the announcement, but so did Apple's. We'll see how that shakes out. One. The Manning cast erupts. A new feature on ESPN2, the ratings significant, astounding 15 million viewers across ESPN's megacast for the opening Sunday night game, the most watched Monday night, Monday night football game week one since 2013, continuing a trend that continues the next week and beyond. NFL certainly gotten off to the right start, and that's deal-making issue number one. And speaking of the NFL, Foley and Lardner's Entertainment Group and and I have been involved in a six-part comeback series, comeback sports in a worldwide pandemic, talking about a variety of issues and Over time, as you may remember, we've had issues about the overall business trends, facility development, redevelopment, uh, facility and event operations, impact of brand valuation, digital media, and the Olympic preview. This week, the executive suite. Dawn Aponte, the EVP and Chief Administrator of Football Operations from the NFL. Mark Lamping, President of the Jaguars. Al Guido, President of the Niners. Jaime Elhai, the President of the New York Jets. Bob Dupay, the former chief legal counsel of Major League Baseball, and I chaired this group. They'll give you some perspective on what they think are the greatest issues the comeback has presented 
and what are some of the positive aspects of getting through the last few months? An incredibly invaluable overview from four of the top leaders in the league. Here it is. Donna Ponte, the executive vice president and chief administrator of football operations, has been an NFL executive and veteran working with the management council, the Jets for 15 years, uh, the Browns as well. The Dolphins since 2010 has been a, a very significant voice in a number of contexts, including the NFL today and has been on the board of USA Football since 2013. We'll talk and have the ability to talk about youth football as well. Mark Lamping, the president of the Jaguars, February 13, 2012, appointed after a significant experience building the ballpark and surrounding development of the new Bush Stadium as president of the St. Louis Cardinals from 94 to 08. The manager of MetLife Stadium, manager is the wrong word, the psychologist that brought the Jets and the Giants together <laughs> to build a beautiful facility 2008 to 2012 uh, with Shad Khan. He's also involved with the Fulham soccer team in the championship league and spearheading the Jacksonville downtown development project, which will have massive positive implications for the Jacksonville region as it gets approved and done. Jaime Alhai, the president of the New York Jets, since September 3rd, 2019, 20 years with the Jets, started as an intern and hired in 2002, senior vice president, general counsel, Rutgers Law School, very significant experience with one particular team, which makes it different than others on the panel. And then finally, Al Guido, who is a veteran of our comeback. Al, you're going to you're going to do this every month, if you don't mind, until the end of time. <laughs> I could freeze. Um, he's been the president of the uh, Niners uh, since 2016. Levi's Stadium, Super Bowl 50, a whole series of events. You look at his bio, he put WrestleMania 31 as one of the biggest event accomplishments, kind of tell you where the industry is going, in the Niners. Chairman and CEO of Elevate Sports Ventures which is a sports consultancy accompanying uh, or including 70 clients. And before that, he sold uh, PSLs uh, and other uh, uh, instruments for the Cowboys and involved with the Phoenix Coyotes of the NHL. Uh, easy markets and tough markets, let's say. And Al has certainly had significant experience in this world. And what I'd like to do is to start the program with each of you giving us a little bit of perspective on where you think your team is today, the league is today, and what are some of the major challenges uh, that uh, lie ahead. Dawn, why don't you kick us off? Sure, thanks Rick, and good afternoon everyone. So September is always an exciting time for us in the NFL as we kick off the season. There's optimism for all 32 teams. Uh, it's great to see the fans and football community come together, and not just at the NFL level, but at every level across the football landscape. That's from the youth to the high school uh, up through college. So, and coming out of 2020 where that was not the norm, we definitely do have a heightened awareness and an appreciation uh, for all those aspects heading into 2021. Uh, in terms of our current challenges, I think 2020 really taught us all a lot, including recalibrating our thought process uh, and approach in many ways, both personally and professionally. 
focusing on the NFL specifically, I think many things that we may have viewed as significant challenges 18 months ago or so became part of our operating norms last season. Uh, we started by conducting a virtual draft and a, a virtual off season, uh, and that then led to virtual meetings with players and coaches in season uh, into the regular season where we were, re we were rescheduling games by remaining flexible. We played games with no fans in the stadium, which I think, you know, more than 18 months ago, we probably would have thought was unheard of. Uh, and ultimately, we were able to execute the alleged impossible, was, which was to play a full season on time uh, during the pandemic. And I say all that uh, really to make the point that we approach things a little differently now. I think we see perceived challenges as opportunities. And while we certainly don't want to replicate 2020, we've tried to take many of the lessons and experiences uh, that we did have and carry them forward. And I think that our greatest learning really was that we saw firsthand that working together with our colleagues, with our clubs, uh, our players, the players union, our game officials, business partners and fans, uh, we really had the ability to overcome whatever challenges that, you know, we haven't we encountered uh, and through communication and, re and remaining committed to being flexible and adaptable can allow us to succeed in whatever our objectives are, um, you know, as we move forward. So with a 10-year collective bargaining agreement in place with the Players Association, which was agreed to early on in 2020, and um, I think if you talk to the Management Council, that's been ongoing since then. Uh, and then long-term media deals are in place now with our partners since this uh, off-season. Our focus really will be on continuing to grow the game both on and off the field uh, through our player safety initiatives, developmental efforts from youth up through college, uh, international expansion, uh, both on the, on the football and the business side, our diversity and inclusion efforts, fan engagement, uh, including the growth of legalized sports betting uh, in ways that we can assure, ensure that uh, we don't compromise the integrity of the game. But we need to be intentional in all these areas and with the status of the agreements that I referenced in, on both the players and the media side, uh, I think we also have the bandwidth to focus on those things uh, as we move forward. Don, uh, 28, 32 hour a day, job and it only gets bigger and it only gets more expensive so couldn't uh, couldn't have uh, been uh, uh, entrusted to a, a more diverse and qualified individual thank you very much for that mark uh you're uh filled with international issues you're filled with you're filled with jacksonville downtown development issues uh urban meyer issues it's been a it's been an amazing year why don't you talk about it yeah i i i, I really agree with you uh Rick, um, you know, I think that there's very few things that are the same today that they were, you know, 18 months ago. Seems like the only thing that's the same as 18 months ago is our football team can't win a regular season game. But, you know, hopefully that uh, ho hopefully that'll be fixed going into the future. Um, you know, we've had a chance. We were, we were one of the few markets last year. And a lot of it was driven simply by the fact we operate in the state of Florida where we were able to have fans in, in limited numbers to all of our games. And I think it 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 really was a wake up call for every single team. And when when you think about it, you're you're limited to to twenty percent attendance. And then you think, well, our biggest problem is going to figure out, you know, who we 
um, award with the opportunity to buy one of those 20% tickets. And it, it doesn't matter. There, every every single market in the NFL that had limited attendance last year, none of us had a layup. I mean, it was it was it was hard. And I think that was a bit of a bit of a, a reminder to to all of us that uh, you know times are are different. And um, assuming that you know tactics that we've d- deployed in the past that were very successful are going to work in the future, I I think that's pretty dangerous. Um, the other thing that you know, I've I've certainly learned since my time here in Jacksonville, uh, is that uh, you know there is there is no one size fit fits all solution. You know, every every market is is unique and different, and and the challenges are different. And they and they require um, you know unique and different strategies to be able to 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 address them. Um, I think um, our fans' expectations and their desires are are evolving. COVID is certainly uh, uh, impacting that, but, you know, at its at its core, you know, there's still some fundamental things that I think all of us are, are really focused on. One, just making sure that, that the product uh, that we offer is relevant. And, uh, you know, what, what consumers want today is not necessarily what they wanted yesterday and certainly won't, won't be what they want tomorrow. So our ability to be, you know, not only be able to monitor our customers, their needs and their wants, but to be nimble enough to 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 adjust to that. And I think, you know, you're seeing a significant amount of that happening across the NFL, and also, you know, really being encouraged at the at the at the league level. You know, I, I don't want to digress here, but you know, I've been in professional sports for a long time, and last year was by far the highest level of collaboration I've ever experienced between a team and the league office. And I think it was a real, real, not that there were issues in the past, but the sense of collaboration that we're all in in this together. I, I think if, when we look back on on what's what positive is gonna come out of COVID, one of the things will be just the level of, of collaboration between the league office and, and, and the individual teams. Um, the experiences in, in and around the stadium, you know, in, in addition to being Focusing on the relevance and how that changes is that, you know, I think we're all challenged with making it even more robust than it's than it's ever been before. And that's that's just not technology, you know, inside the stadium and, you know, how we uh, make um, um, uh, fans experience uh, uh, superior than it was the last time they were there. But it really it, it needs to become much more robust in terms of what happens outside the stadium, what happens from the time they leave their home. Uh, obviously, the you know the the product on the field you know is and and will always be the most important piece, but it's not the only piece. And I think that you know we really have to continue to push ourselves on just the robustness of the experiences we provide our fans. And I think that's that's only going to get uh, you know even more important coming out of uh, out of uh, this this uh, change, this new normal that COVID has presented us. And also that you know the, the 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 memorability or the 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 remarkable nature of what we have to offer, you know it's uh, um, our our uh, fans today consume things in really really small quantities, and uh, you know uh, they don't hold on to uh, Super Bowl programs from 1968, and they don't uh, uh, cherish a a game ticket. In fact, today they they don't even get a game ticket today. And those things are are 
you know what's important at at at, at one moment. Forty five seconds later, you know the, the time has passed. So I think there's been a real big um, change in terms of, of, of how how we approach uh, uh, fans across the, the the entire league. And you know I, I think the league. Again, thanks to the leadership at the league office, the collaboration uh, between the teams in the league, and just the 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 reality. And you know, I know Bob Bob Dupay's on on here today, and you know, Bob and I have a long shared history in baseball. Um, in the NFL, you know, every team is sort of forced to get better because everyone is watching everyone else, and you don't want to let down. Your fellow team, uh, your uh, folks that that uh, work for other teams. So there is a there there's a there's a lot of pressure on on all of us to continue to get better. And I think that's a great thing, and why you know the NFL continues to be positioned for great growth into the future. Well, Mark, and, and uh, I do appreciate your your guidance in the sense I was about to uh, unload my memorabilia. I think I'm going to hold on to it now since nobody <laughs> sees the value of it. Thank you for that. But also, uh, as important as anything else, is that you know your your understanding of how uh, ballparks and facilities become a catalyst for development. You did it in St. Louis. Uh, you did it in Jersey, and now you're doing it again in Jacksonville. You should be commended. And then the segue to Jaime, Jaime, you've inherited. Uh, you've been working on it for the 20 years while it was done. An incredible facility, but you had a Super Bowl. An incredible issues that you're dealing with in New York with an expectation you got to win now. So what's it like? Um, well, I think, you know, I think Mark and Don have sort of set the stage on this pretty clearly. Look, I think, you know, uh, the product is really what matters at the end of the day. That's what the fans are really, um, you know, experiencing and what they really are driving for when they consume our product. And that really is dictated by what's on the field. And, you know, um, so it's not necessarily win now, as you sort of said, Rick, but we have to be sort of competitive for them to sort of engage and want to consume our product. I think we've done a good job despite the challenges we've had on the field in COVID or pre-COVID, you know, particularly this past year. Um, But at the same time, we have to come up with different offerings for them to consume to engage, engage, whether that's content online, whether that's, you know, uh, season ticket offerings, like a rewards program like we have. We have to figure out ways to, to connect with the fan and have them experience that in, in some way, shape or form. So from that perspective, is it winning now on the field? Uh, there's always that challenge, but we have to win ev- every day with our fan base because particularly in our market, where they have so many entertainment choices and so many sports teams to to, to choose from, we're we're in that battle all the time. And and as as Mark and everybody knows, you know we have an in market competitor, right? That a lot of clubs do not have. So um, you know th- those things pose real challenges for us in terms of how to get new fans, how to engage fans, how to get fans to come out to the stadium. And that experience really matters. You know, how does that experience translate from them from from a given fan leaving their home uh, to to driving or taking mass transit, parking the car, the experience coming in, um, you know, food offerings, you know, the 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 video boards, the, everything that you could possibly think of matters, and those are the things that we think about 
on a regular basis. And then you sort of add in this dynamic of being in the, in in COVID in a COVID world um, and what that experience is like. We have our first home game this weekend, um, so it'll be interesting to see how people feel and do they feel safe. Have we put in enough protocols to 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 provide that safety for them to feel like coming out to MetLife Stadium is is as it was in 2019 and and before. And and thankfully, I think the league office has done an excellent job, as Mark sort of alluded to, um, in working with the clubs to make sure that we are doing that and making sure our fans have that opportunity to feel like coming to uh, a Jaguars game, a Jets game, a 49ers game. It, it's going to be a good experience and a safe one. So you know, I think I think the league deserves a lot of credit because because that because they put a lot of time and effort in. Uh, on how to help the clubs manage that. And as Mark alluded to, some clubs had partial fans. We were we were an organization and in a market that didn't have any fans. And in, in some level that made it easier, but it also made it, you know, more more challenging on some level to to make sure that when we're now in 2021, people feel comfortable coming back to understand what that's like. So, you know, Buffalo is an example of that right now. Buffalo you know, had, uh, you know, didn't have, uh, you know, as many restrictions. Um, and, you know, as of yesterday, they've sort of announced that they were going to go to a fully vaccinated environment. So this thing is always sort of evolving and growing. And, and we took the position of, you know, following state and local guidance. Um, and right now, since, you know, we're open air, we've said there's no requirements for vaccines or proof of a, a negative test. But you know, as we've learned over the past 18 months, no one knows what the future sort of holds and 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 what that could possibly how that could possibly change, you know, on a week to week basis as we, as we play throughout the season. One comment as we segue into Al, you know, we, we were it's clear that uh, you don't have control over what happens on the field because someone will always win, someone will always lose, but everybody still can always have a good, safe, entertaining experience where they can come back. Al, uh, Niners president, chairman and CEO of Elevate. We've talked about that before. Uh, your role is obviously not just the Niners, but it's also the the massive series of events that uh, all of you others do as well. But you have some really interesting perspective, not just prior experience, but what you're doing in San Francisco now. Well, thanks for having me on, first and foremost. Uh, yeah, I think you. I'll, I'll echo what everybody said. I mean, 2021 is not 2020, but it's certainly also not like 2019. So we'll continue to evolve. Look, I feel blessed. Um, maybe, maybe it's because we won our first game. Maybe it's because the last 40 days of my season last year, Don helped us move to Arizona, and we didn't get to play in our state. And maybe it's because you know, through Elevate and just talking to the broader industry, you know, we only had one season, knock on wood, that was really dramatically impacted, um, you know, from a fan perspective. And other other industries sort of, you know, other leagues had multiple seasons impacted. And so I'm really excited for, for this year. We all know it's going to, it's going to, there's going to be challenges. There'll certainly be COVID positives. There may be protocols that might change state or local wide, but to have our fans back, uh, to see what our NFL vaccination rates are at the team level, at the staff level, um, frankly, across the board, what our teams 
did and opening up our buildings to be mass vaccination sites. I mean, you saw the power of sports uh, throughout COVID. And for me, I like, you know, we're uh, we're on the road again this weekend and we don't open up until Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. But we are seeing demand that was higher than when we uh, moved into Levi Stadium in 2014 from a fan perspective. Um, and so I don't know. I, I'm really optimistic. And, uh, and I think if you're in the NFL, you should be. There's uh, we have a great product on the field. As Don mentioned, we have a we have a long term CBA. Uh, and the good news is, is we have a, an opportunity to grow our business, um, both locally um, and internationally. And I know we're going to talk about all these emerging categories, but it's a real good time to be in the sports and entertainment industry. And I know we'll, we'll talk a lot about COVID, but uh, I think we should we should focus, hopefully try to focus more on the positives um, than, than the negative side of it. We'll have another sector of the comeback when they uh, executives answer a number of questions really important to the league, gaming, esports, international expansion, demographic moving to the next step, and a variety of other issues in our series of installments down the road. Well, how about the top tech minute? Sports tops the list of consumer must-have cable networks. The latest beta research cable subscriber study ranks the top basic cable networks receiving high scores must-have. Well, ESPN at 40%, Discovery at 37 Food Network at 37 History Channel, CNN, National Geographic, Weather Channel, all at about that same 37-35 area. Others uh, but beyond, behind that about 15 to 20%. But on average, the perceived value among network viewers, top-ranked networks included Disney, ESPN, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, ESPN2. Bottom line is the sports industry continues to have a significant impact regardless of whether bundling, not bundling, or where we're going to go as far as cord cutting is concerned. Really important issue. Finally, let's look at good sports and philanthropy as we continue to move forward. Pandemic seems to be uh, uh, releasing and and subsiding as far as the economics of business are concerned. You know what that means? That means more people are available to contribute uh, philanthropically and let's look at some of those issues. Two UFC legends, Carlos Condit and Joseph Benavides, hanging up their gloves, uh, one of the best ever to win a belt, Benavides, but they've also raised a significant amount of money for charity as well. Joey Votto keeps showing what it means to be a leader on and off the field. He'd been named the team nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award, highlighting one of the uh, involvements in the community and work in philanthropy and humanitarian work. The iconic California ski resort, seeing millions of tourists a year, has been renamed from Squaw Valley to Palisades Tahoe, now called, currently hosting cultural tours and plans to open up an entire new uh, uh, museum that focuses on skiing and winter games with the hopes of raising some charitable funds. San Francisco 49ers using their SAP analytics to teach data sciences to youth. 49ers also announced separately a new partnership with cloud data storage platform to optimize the team's venue operations when moving forward. And finally, while high school coaches' salaries grab many of the headlines, 
major program athletic directors are paying are being paid well as uh, also and many of these schools have significant philanthropic operations also the spots uh, for the top salaries and the top compensation include some of the key uh, executives like Joe Castiglione and and uh, Chris Del Conte and and others who have moved the processes forward but clearly it is an entirely new dynamic as it relates to how to generate funds on and off the field and that's the show for this week we would like to thank the executives from the NFL suite Al Guido Mark Lamping Jaime Alhai uh, Donna Ponte from the NFL office Bob Dupay interested in organizing this and giving us some perspective here like to thank you all for listening and watching and join us next week when we continue to look inside the 1.3 trillion dollar business of sports. Mm-hmm.